the Broncos Blitz Podcast with Ronnie K. Presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. The Broncos Blitz Podcast, news and analysis to help you be a better Broncos fan. Welcome to the Broncos Blitz Podcast. My name is Ronnie Corey. You can follow me on Twitter at Ronnie K Radio. That's at R-O-N-N-I-E letter K. Radio on Twitter, where today on the podcast presented by DraftKings, America's top-rated sportsbook app, we're going to preview the Denver Broncos 2020 season. Go over a quick little game-by-game thoughts on individual ones, obviously starting with Tennessee coming up in less than five days as we... Well, uh, begin the 2020 season as weird as it has been. We're finally here, and uh, the Denver Broncos will be playing football here in less than one week. So that is what we're going to discuss today. We're also going to recap the Von Miller injury, some more news on that, what Denver does and goes from here. Also, the Broncos speaking today. I'll give you my thoughts on what Drew Locke had to say, as well as Vic Fangio and Justin Simmons. So that is coming up today on the podcast. If you have not had a chance to subscribe to the podcast or follow the podcast, well, you should because why not? Hey, it's more info on the blue and orange. Get my opportunity to go down, see them at practice. Of course, also when viewing the Broncos, I relay all the info, answer your questions. And of course, those coming in on Twitter or on the email, you can email me, Ronnie, the letter K at milehighsports.com, or you can tweet me at Ronnie K Radio. So the Denver Broncos obviously dealing with the aftermath of Von Miller's injury. It is uh, not official, but likely to be placed on IR. And uh, we'll see if there's a designation to return. Um, the Broncos are going to get a second opinion tomorrow with uh, Dr. James Andrews. That'll be in Wisconsin. However, it is looking not very good for Von Miller to be playing in the 2020 campaign. Now, there's a lot of individuals who believe that the Denver Broncos could be looking at, uh, you know, Having Vaughn uh, land on the IR list with a designation to return maybe later in the season, just in case there was some sort of situation where the the Broncos may have the opportunity to bring him back, he could be ready for the postseason. But again, uh, a very long time from now in which uh, they are going to be able to bring him back and he's going to be healthy. So very much looking at the season without Vaughn Miller, uh, which is just obvious. Obviously, so difficult and and hard to comprehend immediately if you're on the uh, uh, Broncos defense. A dislocated peroneal tendon, basically the tendon flips over the ankle bone. Um, the general recovery time five to six months. Best case scenario three months. Surgery is generally recommended. It is. No matter which way you look at it, it's a terrible situation. And uh, obviously, we're sending our prayers up to uh, Von Miller to, to not only, you know, obviously get past this, but recover from it in, in general as a person. You know, that's, that's just a terrible, terrible injury to have again on a freak accident uh, while practicing inside because of the snowstorm that the Denver Broncos had to face on Tuesday. 
The uh, Broncos obviously moving forward now uh, expect Malik Reed and Jeremiah Tachu to get a lot of work in the pass rush, and immediately this is tough with Tennessee because you have a team that is coming in in five days, and you're also got your your other star pass rusher Bradley Chubb on a pitch count or a play count, so you are very limited at getting to the quarterback, and it could affect this game immediately for. For the Broncos, you just hate the news, but obviously, look, this is uh, something that uh, uh, the rest of the NFL is praying for him. Certainly, we are pulling for him, and hopefully, Von Miller maybe could return at the very end of the season, but it is likely that they will uh, spend the entire year without him. That was very much the theme for the press conferences today. Uh, Vic Fangio and Drew Locke speaking. Uh, It was a press conference that was peppered with uh, questions and uh, we're actually going to play the press conference at the very end of this podcast in its full entire in its full entirety uh, questions and all I uh, thought I would just share that for you so you can have an opportunity to listen uh, in full to both uh, Vic Fangio and Drew Locke as well too now this obviously uh, a football game coming up here in five days. This obviously means the Denver Broncos do have to look forward now, and uh, they are going to look forward with, once again, Malik Reed and Jeremiah Tachu really being utilized as those uh, major pass rushing weapons. And, um, you know, this is going to be a defense that's going to have to move things around and maybe Vic Fangio's finest hour because this is going to be one of those rising tides that unfortunately is now lowered and it thus lowers all ships. You know, it pass rushers, it is, it's so awful that they're graded on box scores because box scores are the worst way to grade a edge rusher, pass rusher. But a lot of people think, oh, well, he didn't have 16 sacks last year, so he had a, a very meh year according to Von Miller's standards. And that, that couldn't be more inaccurate. Uh, Von Miller is somebody who sucks up the double team, somebody who demands the chip. He, he is enemy number one when it comes to the offensive coordinator in game planning around this Broncos team and when you take that out of the defense now all of a sudden that's a chip that now gets utilized on Bradley Chubb instead of Von Miller or that's a double team that is is utilized as an extra blocker somewhere else uh, instead of Von Miller, you know, he soaked up so much attention because he was the proven commodity and he was such a lethal pass rusher. And if you don't uh, do that, then all of a sudden you are a football team on offense that's going to have the, you know, 58 in the backfield just wrecking plays left and right. So if you are the Denver Broncos, obviously you have to now manage without that, and it's very, very critical that they all of a sudden uh, see at least some sort of a boost from the uh, others. Uh, and when I say others, I mean Atachu, I mean Malik Reed. Uh, you know, those guys just can't come in and play play below tier below average pass rushing level they need to come in at a high level because uh, Denver needs that push uh, to kind of help out with Bradley Chubb and they need to get to the quarterback and I've talked about this on previous podcasts they need to get to the quarterback because this is a team that I don't think is going to face uh, or 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 
find themselves getting very many turnovers without doing that, and they have a secondary that can get exposed. So there's um, a massive dynamic that changes from this injury and certainly could be um, very devastating for this team on defense moving forward, and particularly for a Broncos team that looked like a team that uh, could have things line up their year on defense. Uh, you see the Bradley Chubb injury. You, you see the Todd Davis injury. And uh, now you're dealing with the Von Miller situation. And boy, it's just one after another. And oh, by the way, we haven't even played week number one. It's Broncos Blitz podcast presented by DraftKings, America's top-rated sports book. Of course, uh, you know, in this podcast, we've been talking about betting, and we will be uh, going over bets for the season and doing all those different things more. Uh, that'll be coming up a little bit later this week. But, of course, look, now's the time to celebrate and uh, celebrate with a couple bets because right now football, well, it's here. And to kick off football's 101st season, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Look, all users okay you hear this all users a no-brainer to start the season if you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet head to the app store now because you do not want to miss this one here's the deal have you ever heard of a football team losing by 101 points okay how about 100 points all right it's not logical all right it doesn't happen well week one DraftKings is ensuring that even if Kansas City were to lose in historic fashion you would still cash your bet that's right DraftKings Sportsbook has moved the spread to Kansas City plus 101 points for all users so even if Kansas City loses by 100 points you still win big with DraftKings Sportsbook it's a no-brainer okay DraftKings has given you up to 100 million dollars in prizes to all users who sign up for their free football survivor pool and all you have to do is sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook enter their survivor pool and you'll get instantly a uh, instantly get a share of up to 100 million dollars in giveaways download the top rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code MHS to take advantage of the no-brainer offer Promo code MHS. Use that promo code, guys. It is terrific. Promo code MHS to get in on all the action for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. you got to be 21 or older and in Colorado only. Eligibility restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. This is a uh, Broncos team that's got Tennessee on the horizon now. We start to look at Tennessee, um, obviously, as the immediate team. But look, this first four weeks of the season is really going to be very, very critical. A split between two games at home, two games on the road, uh, with a rotation of home road, home road. Tennessee gets the season started, and then they will travel to Pittsburgh on September 20th. And again, that is a short week because of the Monday night game. And then they have a fin- they finally have a full week of practice, which will be uh, the Tampa Bay game in which they will have fans in the stands on September 27th. And then, of course, they have an extremely short week at the Jets on October 1st. And that one also a road game as well, too. So uh, that one being, I believe, um, you know, that Thursday night game, uh, maybe one of the tougher ones because you have that short week. But, of course, that four weeks away. The Broncos, of course, kicking off the season on Monday night is one of the more difficult 
time frames or time slots. In fact, it really arguably is the worst one because you practice and, and prepare for game one no matter what the entire offseason, and now you turn around week two and they have the least, the literal least amount of time to practice. A couple news and notes for this team. Um, you know, this is a Broncos football team that, uh, you know, last year on offense, look, obviously very, very poor uh, from, you know, the the points per game, which was 17.6. That was good enough for 28th to the third down percentage red zone. I mean, they, they just simply in many ways, shapes and forms were not very good. And so this is a football team that now on offense looks completely different, obviously has been rejuvenated with a lot of new weapons. And so you like, obviously, their chances at getting much better, and, and hopefully you can accompany that with a defense that not only sits on par with where they were, but gets better from last year because Tennessee comes in as a team that is quite good on offense. Their 6.1 yards per play last year was good enough for fourth in the league. They were 10th in points at 25.1 points per game. This is a team that uh, did not turn the ball over a lot. And this is also a team that was number one in red zone percentage. So when they get into the twenties, they get the job done. This is also a team on defense that got takeaways, and that's that's really where Denver wants to be this year. You know, 14 interceptions last year for Tennessee was good enough for eighth last year, and on third down, they were eighth in the league. They got off the field. This is a team that, led by, of course, Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry, was very efficient on offense, and boy, did they beat you up. Now, Denver, last year, obviously, in their last meeting, certainly went Denver's way in the shutout win 16 to nothing but certainly this is a brand new ball game in a brand new year and Tennessee is obviously going to be looking for a little payback so Monday night certainly under the lights going to be an interesting uh, no team has a higher winning percentage uh, on opening weekend than the Broncos which is kind of interesting. Uh, the Broncos will play in ESPN's second game of the uh, second game of the doubleheader, if you will. That's going to happen for the third time in four years, uh, opening the season on Monday night. And um, you know, this is a, a Denver team that has compiled a 39-20 and one all-time opening game record. That, of course, tying for the best mark in the league. And uh, at home, week one games at home, the Broncos are 37 and one. That's good enough for a. .803 all-time week one win percentage. The Broncos have also won seven consecutive season openers at Empower Field at Mile High, and they are very confident with their new quarterback, Drew Locke, of course, who coming into this game, finishing the season last year, 4-1, and one, your starter up against Ryan Tannehill. So, there's, there's obviously a lot of storylines and breaking into this game. I, I think the most important one, you know, when you start to go back and forth between what Denver presents on offense and what Denver presents on defense versus what Tennessee brings, I think immediately you start to say, okay, well, the key to this game is stopping Derrick Henry, right? Yes and no. I'm going to actually go a little bit deeper than that and say I think the key to this game is the Denver Broncos just controlling the offensive line of Tennessee. 
the you know Derrick Henry is a quality runner, and the Denver Broncos shut him down last year. But a, a lot of that had to do with the fact that they were constantly in the backfield. And that's what disrupted not only the running game, but also the passing game as well, too. And uh, actually, if I remember correctly, that was a game in which Marcus Mariota started and, and might have been pulled halfway. Was that the start of the Ryan Tannehill situation? Uh, certainly, look, this is a Denver team that getting pressure in the backfield and even if it doesn't result in a sack or doesn't result in a tackle for loss it's making that quarterback feel that pressure because I don't think this is a Denver team that's going to get those takeaways that they keep talking about if they're not at least what we like to say near the football or kind of buzzing you know around the area maybe kind of hitting Ryan Tannehill in the arm you know as soon as he throws the football kind of push up against him, let him know you're there, and let him know you're coming, and that he's got to rush that football away, and maybe on one of those plays, he sees ghosts and throws the ball a little too quickly, a little inaccurate, and that secondary can take advantage, because I've said this before on this podcast, I'm a little worried about this secondary. I think this is a football team that has got some secondary pieces that are going to be solely reliant on the pass rush, and I, I don't... I. I try to find a way to describe this in a different way, which is funny because like I'm paid to describe things with words, but I always have a loss for words for this because you don't want to say that it's a position that's dependent on the pass rush. It's a little harsh, I think. You know, it doesn't mean that they can't dominate themselves, but it kind of is. It kind of is, right? Like if this is a Denver Broncos team that you just can't throw three corners out on an island and say, I feel good about that. I'm sorry, I just can't because, look, this is a a team that Bryce Callahan lining up on the outside, I don't even know if I like that. Uh, Lining up on the inside, maybe a little bit differently. Is A.J. Boye going to be able to hang with some of the best wide receivers in the league? Don't know. Maybe it'll work for this Tennessee game, but certainly is it going to work for Pittsburgh and Juju Smith-Schuster? Is it going to work for Tampa Bay? (sighs) You know, that that's something that uh, I lose a little bit of faith, a little bit of confidence in. And then don't get me started on CB3. That is just a pure problem. So you have to be able to kind of help those secondary guys out by getting pressure and and, and not allowing Ryan Tannehill. And, and I don't care who it is. You could talk about how Ryan – I talk about this a lot. You know, I, I dump on Ryan Tannehill because I, I just, quite frankly, don't think he's a good quarterback. Uh, I get he had a one spiky, decent year. I understand that this is a quarterback who got paid. I get that he had a phenomenal year last year. Well, you know what? Nick Foles had one good year as well, too. And you know what? Tim Tebow had a pretty good – three four game run as well too Uh, it doesn't mean you're a good quarterback so I think this is a quarterback that you can get to you can put pressure on you can force him to make mistakes but you got to do that through the pass rush well now insert the Von Miller injury and obviously everything that Denver's going through this puts a problem on how their defense functions and if you let a quarterback like him sit back in the pocket. I don't care how bad they are. I don't care how good they are. They're going to tear you up in the NFL. Denver has seen this before. Is Quarterbacks that they can't get to just sit back there and have all day long to survey. And I'm sorry, cornerbacks in the NFL, they just can't cover wide receivers for six, seven, eight seconds. So 
I think it's going to be critical for Denver to win the trenches and, and basically make Tennessee a one-dimensional team in which then you can tee off, send the blitz, and get a little bit more aggressive, force Ryan Tannehill into some uncomfortable situations, and, and boom, there you go. Now all of a sudden maybe you force a turnover that way. And this is a football team that, uh, you know, maybe can capitalize on those kind of situations. So I, I like what Denver has set up, but the problem is, is obviously, look, this is a team that had a pretty good pass rush going into last year. And obviously that didn't really pan out that way. And, um, you know, they, they have an upgraded team this year on the defensive line. They have some nice pieces in the secondary uh, linebackers still, you know, kind of a, a vanilla position right now. You kind of like what you have in AJ Johnson, but everybody else, you're kind of looking around and wondering, is Bradley Chubb truly fully healthy? He's going to be on a pitch count. Uh, so certainly interesting in this game, of course, with Tennessee week one for the Denver Broncos. There will be no fans in attendance. However, of course, uh, this is a Broncos team that will uh, certainly enjoy starting the season at home. Uh, you know, it's always good to sleep in your own bed. It's always good to be uh, five minutes away from the stadium. It's always good to go through your routine that you usually do instead of hopping on a plane and not knowing where you're going, not knowing where the bathrooms are. So certainly allows the Broncos to be a little bit more at home. That is obviously a good thing because they've got a young offense that they got to break in really, really quickly with no preseason. And, of course, we will continue to talk about it on the Broncos Blitz podcast. Ideally, I think this is a game that lays out solely with the idea that, uh, look, uh, Denver is a uh, talented, skillful team on offense, but you got to put it, put it all together. So I think you could see a team that maybe in the second half starts to slow things down. I, I think you could see a team that maybe through the first uh, couple drives is a little off balance, a little shaky, a little inconsistent. Hopefully it doesn't result, result in turnovers or anything catastrophic. I think you're going to see them really lean on the run game early. I think this is a team that is really going to try to punch Tennessee in the mouth with the run game, which is kind of funny because it could lead to a lower scoring kind of dogfight type matchup where defense rules running game uh, you know making a major impact on both sides obviously with Derrick Henry and Denver with Melvin Gordon and Phillip Lindsay so uh, back and forth I think they will go I think that you could see teams try to set up more of a play action more of a, a, a play fake uh, deep ball opportunity in the second half think a la Mike Shanahan back in the you know early 2000s mid 2000s where that's all he would do, right? He was run the football early with, you know, his, his seeming roulette of thousand-yard rushers between who is it? Tatum Bell, Mike Anderson, Quentin Griffin, uh, Mike Bell. I mean. <laughs> anybody and that would set up the play action opportunities the deep balls in the second half I think you're going to see a little bit of that game plan uh, when Drew Locke does throw the football I think it's going to be short it's going to be sweet it's going to be easy it's going to be mellow it's going to be kind of you know an introduction back into hitting other players and getting back into the game mode because you don't have this with preseason and so I, I, I don't expect Denver to just come flying out of the gate with deep balls left and right and uh you know an offense that puts up 40 points i think it's going to be very careful 
It's going to be very conservative. It's going to be very understanding that we need to approach this with a, a certain kind of level of aggression that um, we can function and execute, but don't want to try to bite off too much a piece of the pie or else we could end up choking and who knows, maybe turning the ball over and then bad things happen and you just don't want any of that. I do think Denver is the better team. I think this is a Broncos team that uh, is is not is a lot more well balanced, if you will. This all goes back to my conversation about Ryan Tannehill. I just don't think he's that. You know, I, I get it. They went deep into the postseason last year, and they got a solid defense. And Derrick Henry, oh, he's he's terrific. He's a terrific running back. But it's also a very narrow team, and this is also a team that that was the narrative last year, and Denver shut them out. I mean, 16 nothing with a bad offense uh, quarterbacking, uh, you know, who was that? It was Joe Flacco at the time. I, this is a Denver team, in my opinion, that is, is just better than Tennessee. I, I don't think Tennessee's very good, to be truly honest. I, I know Tennessee fans are going to listen to this and, you know, think I'm a moron and an idiot, whatever. That's fine. That's what I said last year. And, uh, well, you know, it turned out to be 16 nothing. So uh, I, I like Denver to win this game somewhere in the range of maybe 23, 24, 13, uh, you know, something something around the realm, maybe fairly close, uh, uh, some kind of 13, 10 game at uh, halftime and then Denver kind of breaks it open in the second half a little bit more familiar at home and uh, opportunities on the deep ball and kind of let Drew Locke loose maybe a little in the second half once he kind of gets a good footing on the game so Look, we're going to continue to cover it at milehighsports.com and uh, at milehighsports.com where you can find archives of the Broncos Blitz podcast. Again, our podcast presented by DraftKings America's top-rated sportsbook app. Really excited to uh, have another year under the belt of the Broncos Blitz podcast. This will be year number year number three hosting it. I think something like that year two. I can't remember. It's been time flies when you're having fun, right? And covering the Denver Broncos for MileHighSports.com should be a lot of fun. You're going to hear from uh, many different guests, uh, you know, this week, next week, from Zach Seegers to Nate Lundy. Uh, we're, like I mentioned, we're going to talk about more about betting. Nate's going to join us for that, uh, kind of give you the favorite lines that we have, etc. cetera. Uh, a lot of cool things coming up on the podcast, and certainly I hope you join us for that so uh broncos tennessee monday night i know it's a little bit of an early preview gosh things change real quickly day by day but i wanted to kind of start to break down that matchup i want to go over one-on-one individual matchups coming up in a future podcast as well too we'll also talk about betting lines not only on the season but for the broncos as well too you know what's the odds to win the division what's the odds to win the conference what's the odds to win the super bowl hey did he he say Super Bowl. What on earth? Oh my goodness. We will continue to monitor it at MileHighSports.com. And again, on the Broncos Blitz podcast presented by DraftKings, America's top rated sportsbook. You can follow me on Twitter at Ronnie K Radio. That's at R O N N I E Little K Radio on Twitter. And I also, I threw out a poll question. I want to get, I want to go um, into this uh, in the next podcast. Um, you know, you know what? Let's do it right now. 
I, I lied. I'll change my mind. This is going to be an extended version of the podcast. I want to get into this conversation because he did retire. Uh, I know we got to get out of here, but really quickly, we had a poll question up on Twitter at Ronnie K Radio where you can message me. And I basically simply asked, where does Akib Tlaib rank among the greatest Broncos cornerbacks? Akib Tlaib announcing his retirement today saying, hey, I'm all done. I'm going to hang it up. He looks like he's got a podcast going. Uh, so real cool to be able to hear him. That's going to be awesome because you, you know Akib Keep Talib. He tells it like it is. He's a part of that no fly zone, the iconic, uh, I guess you could say, five individuals Bradley Roby, Darian Stewart, of course, included with TJ Ward, Chris Harris Jr., and Akib Talib that helped win Super Bowl 50. This is a Broncos team that uh, could potentially be enshrining them maybe together. I thought, I think that would be really cool if they said, hey, we're going to put instead of everybody's individual name, the no fly zone on that uh, fifth uh, 500 section little band that goes around right next to the the greats like Elway and Gratishar and uh, you know you're gonna see Shanahan's name up there soon I mean there's that was it that was an iconic uh, what do they even call a, a, a it's not a trio it's not a quad it's a uh, uh, five oh, I don't know what they call five groups of people. Uh, it was an iconic secondary, and it should result in the honoring of them. I don't know if they're all certainly not TJ Ward or Darian Stewart. Um, Chris Harris Jr. is probably ring of fame worthy. Uh, Akib Talib is probably ring of fame worthy. Uh, you know, especially when you put it next to the context of the fact that John Lynch is in the wrong of, ring of fame. But this is a team that 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 those five guys were so iconic, Bradley Roby included. That uh, and they won him a Super Bowl. They won him a Super Bowl. So you got to put him up there. But anyways, my poll question of the day. It was up on Twitter. Uh, where does it keep to leave rank among the greatest Broncos cornerbacks ever? So think about the greatest cornerbacks ever in Broncos history. You think of Foley. You think of a Braxton. You think of Crockett. You think of, uh, you know, Champ Bailey. You think of uh, Louis Wright. You think of, uh, you know, a, a lot of great corners. Chris Harris Jr. Where does Tlaib rank? I, I think most people had him... F- very clearly behind Louis Wright, clearly behind Champ Bailey, and I think you could probably argue he was behind Chris Harris Jr. as well too, just solely because Chris Harris Jr. played more years here, played up until this year his entire career with Denver, uh, and Tlaib only played here four years. But certainly in that mix, I think whichever way you put it, uh, this is a Broncos corner that is somewhere inside that top five, uh, and that's where the number one votes were as far as top five goes. 56% of the votes with 33% of the uh, votes inside the top three, so that means 89% of Bronco fans think he is a top five corner in Broncos history. Played four years here, a part of the no-fly zone, snatching chains, and uh, his plan was to do what he do, and you know he do, and he did. He was a wordsmith with the verbiage. (laughs) 
And I tell you what, he backed it up every single week, and he was a terrific corner stealing footballs from quarterbacks week in and week out for a long, long time for the Denver Broncos. So congratulations to Akeem Tlaib retiring from the NFL. I cannot wait to hear all the stories of how he thought uh, every cornerback ever in the history of the game was absolutely terrible, and he was the best cornerback ever. So certainly uh, something we'll be looking forward to. The Broncos Blitz Podcast of course, presented by DraftKings. Again, America's top-rated sportsbook. All right, uh, I'm going to shut up and end the podcast with the uh, dual interviews between uh, Vic Fangio and Drew Locke. So we'll start with Vic Fangio. And again, I'm going to include everything here. I'm going to include the uh, uh, questions asked by the media. Uh, That includes um, for both Vic Fangio and Drew Locke. So you will get to hear the questions and the answers. Uh, That's it for the Broncos Blitz podcast. I'll leave you with the two interviews. Again, be sure to subscribe, follow, check out all the different things going on at milehighsports.com as we continue to uh, cover the Broncos. I'll be down at Dove Valley, assuming we have an outdoor practice. Uh, tomorrow and we'll report back any findings and any fun stuff going on you can check that out of course and uh, of course we have the daily podcast now so uh, we'll have a podcast out tomorrow uh, and then of course on Friday as well too so uh, very much a a lot of content coming on the Broncos whether it's written at mylifesports.com or this podcast so hopefully you uh, like the Broncos Blitz podcast on uh, you know different uh, uh, places like Spreaker, Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, MileHighSports.com, or of course you follow me on Twitter at Ronnie K Radio. That's at Ronnie K Radio for the Broncos Blitz podcast. Here is Vic Fangio and Drew Locke's interview today with the media. Hey Vic, a uh, bunch of questions on Vaughn, but I just want to give you a quick one on the social justice initiative released today. How important was it for the players to get that together? I think it was very important and. Um, I think the best thing about it is it kind of happened organically in that the club wanted to do it. The club really initiated it along with the players getting it finalized, but it wasn't like it was something the players went in and asked for. It just, it was both the club and the players wanting the same thing. And actually the club initiated it all, you know, which to me makes it a very good thing. Uh, on Von Miller, um, do you expect him to be out for the rest of the season? There's a chance of that. You know, it's too early to say for sure, but he's definitely out for a while. Do you have a more specific timetable? Will he go on IR this week? I don't know that yet. Uh, he'll, end up on, he'll, he'll be on IR at some point. Okay. Um, can you take us through the play and what happened? It was just a normal play. He was just He just rushed around the edge and – Never hit the ground, never looked bad. If you saw the video, you'd think nothing happened, and, but it did. Hey Vic, you know, not only do you lose um, Vaughn's on-field brilliance, but he had really kind of doubled down on his locker room leadership this offseason. He spoke about it, you spoke about it, and others. Um, who do you accept, expect to step into that void, and is that something that you'll, you guys will be missing as well? Well, it, the whole team has to pick up the void. You know, it's not the uh, player that ends up playing for him. It's not the defense. It's not the offense. It's not the special teams. It's everybody. When you lose a player of that caliber, um, 
you know, everybody's got to pick up the slack in, in all facets, on the field and off the field, in the locker room. And um, we have a good enough team to do that. You know, if you're a good enough team, you know, you can overcome these injuries. There's countless examples of that over the years. Very recently, very long time ago, anytime you want to look at, there's been these types of injuries that teams have overcome and still had successful seasons. And we, we want to be added to that list. Hey, Vic, do you have a definitive, uh, you know for sure if Vaughn will surgery for sure? Do you have any more information in that regard? Not definitely, but I think he will. Is he he, he's going he's, he's gonna, to, he's in the process of um, going, having two, three other doctors look at it. Okay. And then when do you, if he had to have surgery, would you hope that happens in the next couple of weeks or what, what, what you I, yeah, I think it would happen sooner rather than later. You know, if, if within a week is soon. Coach, then how do you address the loss of Vaughn specific to his position? Does Malik become a starter? You have a Tachu, I know, and do you need to add a veteran to that room just to protect yourself, knowing that Chubb might be on a bit of a play count? Yeah, it will be uh, Jerry and Malik. You know, they'll share it. You know, that's what happened last year when uh, Bradley went out. And, um, you know, it'll be those two guys primarily getting the uh, – sharing those snaps, you know, who ends up starting, who ends up playing in what packages will be fluid. But it'll be those two guys. I wouldn't say it's one guy. And with Chubb, so it can't Coco. change how you look at that, right, with him? No, absolutely not. And I, I told him that today already. Mike, your line's unmuted. Okay. Any concern, Coach, about, uh, you know, just the attitude, morale of the team? I mean, there are injuries and then – you know, Vaughn is the face of the franchise here for the last five or six years. My concern is you've been doing these Zoom calls since the pandemic hit, and you still don't know what when to unmute yourself. <laughs> That'll never change either. I apologize. What was your question? Oh, the fake. You know, just well, the, 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 the mood of the, the squad, a concern there. Hey, I mean, just my own personal feelings were, you know, I, I was sad when it happened. For a lot of reasons one for mainly for Vaughn because Vaughn has had a hell of an off season I, I kind of reiterated that to you guys many times I didn't see him obviously in the off season but I talked to him a number of times in the off season and you know when you don't see some with your own eyes you're hesitant to believe or buy in but I could just tell by the way we were talking the things he was doing, that he was had a mindset that he was going to come out and have a hell of a season. And when we finally did get back together, it was true. And so I'm sad that he's not going to be able to get the season that he worked for because it would have been fun to watch for me, for him, for you, for everybody. So on a personal basis, as it relates to Vaughn, I'm sure everybody's sad and disappointed for him as it relates to our team. Um, yeah, we're, we're disappointed when anytime you lose anybody, you're disappointed, but we will move on. Okay. And we will make it work. We lost Bradley last year, you know, an equal player at the same position. And we played our best football after that. And that's not because we didn't have Bradley. 
we just kept developing as a team and we compensated for him. And we have a better team this year overall. So I expect this to still be a good team without Vaughn. Coach, do you have to do anything extra to get the team refocused to, to boost morale or, or to remind them that, hey, we've got a job to do? Or do you think they, you know, they. No, I mean, I talked to them today, you know, in the team meeting about it. And, um, you know, you have to acknowledge the loss, you have to acknowledge your sadness on a personal level, you know, but we can still go out and play winning football. And we talked about that today, and, and we'll move forward, never forgetting Vaughn, obviously, and hoping that he returns at some point this year. And the good thing about his injury is it, once it's healed, it's healed. It's not one of those where he'll have lingering effects. Good afternoon, Coach. My question is in regards to Jarrell Casey. Uh, how much does having a veteran like that uh, that's a leader – how much does that help just kind of make up for the loss of Von Miller in your locker room? Well, Jarrell's had a big impact since he's been here, especially since we've started camp where guys are together physically. Of, you know, with his experience and his knowledge and his production over the years to really be a big help to the other defensive linemen and sort of mentor them along the ways, throw his two cents in that things he's learned throughout the years, a pointer here and there. So he's been very, very valuable in the defensive line group, okay? And that spreads to the other defensive players too. So in that case, you know, he's been very, very valuable. Coach, I want to go back to some of the other injuries. Uh, how did Bradley and Graham and KJ look yesterday at practice and what do you expect them to do today? They all did fine with what we allowed them to do yesterday. And we hope to uh, have them do a little bit more today and see how it goes. Will Barron go today? No. Do you expect Bradley Chubb to continue to progress and be there for week one? And you said you talked to him today about not forcing anything. How do you make sure that he doesn't? I'll be able to tell. We've talked about it enough. Plus, I watched the video of practice. And we'll be able to tell. And he'll tell. We've had good conversations about it ever since camp started. So, you know, it's not something new that him and I are doing. Hey Vic, so what do you think Jeremiah Tashu and Malik Reed? I mean, obviously they've had experience in this role, like you said, stepping up for Chubb last year. What's your confidence in them to, you know, immediately be thrust in with Vaughn out? Well, I just, I have confidence in them that they're going to be able to play to their abilities. Okay, neither one is Vaughn Miller but they are who they are. And all we need for them to do is to do their job to the best of their abilities. And if they do that, we'll be fine. Nick, what's the most significant thing from starting last season as a rookie head coach to being a second year coach this year that you think you've learned in that year, both on the sideline and in preparation for the opening game? Well, you know, this year has been so different with the uh, COVID protocols and the no off season that I, I didn't feel like there was a lot of carryover from year one to year two because the schedules were so drastically different. Um, you know, so I didn't feel the carryover that I think you're trying to allude to. As far as being on the sideline, are you uh, referring to me being on the sideline during the game? Yes. Um, I'm, I'm fine with that. I, 
I felt more comfortable as the season went on with that. And um, I'm good down there. I don't feel that it's a problem. Andrew, um, I just wanted to ask you about, uh, you know, the loss of Von Miller. This is a, a punch to the gut for the franchise. And I'm just wondering how you guys are, um, you know, how dealing with it. Yeah, without a doubt, it's a, it's a punch in the gut for everybody. Just knowing how good of a teammate he is and how good of a leader he is for this team. And, um, you know, personally for him, I, you know, talked to him a lot in the off season. He was, he was gunning, he was ready to go. He was extremely excited, a new focus from Bond. Um, you know, and I think when you almost get hit double digits, it kind of becomes real life for you. And he was excited. Um, it, it definitely hurts our team, but, um, you know, spirits as far as just how much we care for the guy. Um, but, you know, life goes on. Um, he's he's going to work to get back on the field as fast as possible, and we got to work to win games. So. Hey, Andrew, uh, looking at this, uh, it's going to be your first, obviously, year of starting the season as a starter. I'm curious, just what are you most anxious about uh, Monday night? Probably just the first snap, getting it going. Uh, I'm excited. Um, you know, it's going to be different. It, it Regardless if it was Monday night or, or Sunday or the Thursday night game this week, I think – the thing you're most anxious about is to see how they come out and play uh, first game of the year. Are they going to do a lot of stuff they did last year? Are they going to change it up? Who's playing in what spot? They, you know, they just pick Clowney up. Where are they going to play him? I think that's what we're most anxious for. And then, uh, you know, we'll take it from there. But I'm just really excited to finally get on the field and stop playing against Vic's defense. Yeah, Drew, you know, the team kept seven wide receivers because Tyree Cleveland, seventh-round pick, went out and kind of earned that spot. What's been your impression of uh, – what was your impression of him – in camp and, and what he could, could bring eventually um, to that to that group? Without a doubt, big and very physical um, and smart and smart. He's, he's really good with the ball in space. Um, he's just kind of what you look for. He's a big guy. Like I said, he's fast. When the ball gets delivered to him, you know, you, you don't see very many drops from him, very consistent. So um, he did play very well in, throughout camp, and we were all extremely impressed with the way he played. And like you said, I think he, he played enough to deserve that. Uh, yeah, Drew, I don't think we got a chance to talk to you since uh, your second practice at the stadium, which went much better than the first one. What do you attribute uh, happened there? Why, why so much improvement? Um, you know, I think it happened probably two days before that scrimmage. There's, there's never really a moment in time where, you know, there's just that one moment where it clicks and you don't understand why. Um, I just felt going into that going into that scrimmage that I knew where to go with the ball and every single play we were going to call. I just kind of refound some confidence in myself. And um, we came out, the guys around me made plays. We just, we just clicked as an offense. We ended up rolling. We all got on the same page at the same time. And, you know, that's what you look for is in an offense. And, you know, when you're putting the game together, you want that from the defense as well at the same time. And when you, when you both mesh and uh, get rolling on the same day, that's when it turns out pretty good. And I feel like that's what we did. We just all got on the same page and we were rolling. Hey, Drew, you've been working with Justin Hoover for a long time now. This is off topic, but why has that relationship worked so well? And what was your focus uh, during the shutdown back in Kansas City? Yeah, I mean, that relationship started when I was extremely young. So, one, that helps out a lot to where, you know, when, when I go to throw with him, he doesn't necessarily, you know, grind your gears on mechanics. He's very good about putting drills together to put me in awkward positions. And if 
it seems like on that throw, it didn't look how I should normally look. He's seen it a hundred thousand times. There's no question that if he is to give me a coaching point that, you know, that he's not right. You know, like he's 100% dialed into my mechanics, my stroke, when I throw it the best to where, you know, if I do have a couple off days, you can send him some clips, let him see, you know, what it is I'm doing in the pocket or with my stroke and send me a couple pointers here and there to where I can go back into, into that next week or that next practice ready to go. Drew, we know you're such a confident guy. Even when you know results aren't there, you stay confident. But you know, at the outside, when you lose Vaughn, it stifles some of the optimism. How do you avoid putting even more pressure on you and what has been a really off, weird offseason, your first full year as a starter? So how do you balance that while wanting to prove that this offense can carry the weight? Yeah, I, I think I can't put you know an extra amount of pressure on myself. It really comes down to this whole team you know, making one more play because Vaughn's not there to make that play. And it, whether that's me making a couple more plays or Corlin making a couple more plays or Melvin or Phil, Noah, it's just going to come down to us, you know, playing at that A level, but playing at an A plus level. You just got to take it one step further. Um, not that we wouldn't try to do that every single week with Vaughn, but it just makes it a little more evident because there might be a couple sacks that we'll miss out on the season without him being out there. So, um, if that means the offense is going to be on the field against us a little longer than, you know, we got to go put a drive together. There's just going to be certain situations that pop up in a season when you don't have him that we got to be ready for. And it's going to take, it's going to take every aspect of the game, offense, defense, and special teams. Special teams can even pick up some of the plays as well. So, um, yes, it does hurt. You know, we're very, I'm more upset for him rather than, you know, feeling sorrow for our team and not having him. I'm just more hurt for him because of how hard he was working to get out there and, be the best Vaughn he could be. Uh, speaking of Vaughn, Drew, what have you learned from leadership and locker room presence from being around Vaughn Miller the last year? Um, I think one of the coolest things that he did for me when I came in was just talk to me. Um, we come in and you know, I was obviously wide-eyed when I saw Vaughn for the first time. And, you know, you, you hear about, you know, old vets, you know, leave him alone for a second, let him come up to you. And I, I think the first time I came in the locker room, he came right up to me and started talking to me. So, I feel like being a, a quarterback of, of the offense, you try to do that to the rookies when you come in. Um, and if Vaughn wouldn't have done that to me, I would have thought that, you know, maybe it is you let the rookies, you know, work their way and then you end up talking to them. But when Vaughn came up to me that first day, right off the bat, it kind of set the tone for me um, going into this year on how I would treat the rookies coming in this year. Um, the more they can feel comfortable, you know, the better they'll go out there and play. And if that means me going out and having conversations with them before the practice in the locker room or in the cafeteria, then, then that's what it has to be to help them feel comfortable and welcome to this team. Sort of two-part question. One, when you were at home working through all this, did you think we'd get to the point where we would be playing football this season? And then two, what are you most excited about now that the season is, is upon us and, and we are going to have NFL football? Yeah, I think we were all pretty unsure about, you know, what was going to officially take place once we all got here. But I think after – having about two weeks of, you know, testing and nothing really happening, um, not only for us, but around the league. I was like, all right, this is, I think this can actually work. It's going to be different when we travel and, you know, staying responsible and staying, you know, locked into what it is we're here to do, and that is to play football. Um, but the most exciting part about going in this year is just being able to make, you know, the, those memories of the guys going into these games. Um, I'm excited to finally compete against someone other than, you know, guys in orange and blue, finally being able to go out there, 
make the plays when they're there, scramble around a little bit, deliver the ball, watch guys make plays, just being able to finally have a little competitive spirit against someone other than the Broncos is going to be awesome. Uh, Drew, this is sort of two-parter. Uh, a national uh, pro football focus uh, called you the worst quarter, starting quarterback in the league. Does that motivate you, offend you, not bother you at all? And the second part of that is, is seeing another quarterback this week uh, in Houston get a hundred. $60 million, does that motivate you? Uh, when you think about those two situations, what's your response to them? Uh, well, the first one, I wouldn't have known about it if, unless you, you brought it up. So I try, to stay right. out of, I, try, I try to stay out of the situations that don't involve anything that's in this, uh, in this locker room with the coaches and with this team. Um, I'm not sure who wrote it, but their opinion is their opinion, and quite honestly, it's not going to affect me going out and practicing and playing this weekend. So um, I'm going to leave it at that. And second off, yeah, quarterback quarterback money keeps going up, but um, you know, thinking about money down the road isn't going to help me on Sunday or on Monday, excuse me, win this game and better yet this season. Uh, I gotta I gotta earn that type of money first, and uh, just winning four of my five games in a rookie season won't do that. So I got to go out there and keep playing and. Be great for this team. Yeah, Drew, when you think back to your first start against the Chargers to now, is there something you've taken the biggest step in, whether that's mechanics, yeah. understanding of defenses, your, how comfortable you are just playing against that sort of speed? What would you point to as kind of the biggest step you've taken? I think it comes to preparation before a game and even a practice because, you know, you try to treat all these practices like a game when you know, because of COVID, we didn't have very many practices. But I would think preparation, just having those five games last year, knowing what it's going to take for me to go in and play my best game. Um, that, that first game, I, it was kind of a kind of a crapshoot at the beginning on how I wanted to prep and how I wanted to be ready and what it took to truly be ready mentally and physically. To where I got to that fifth game, I kind of had a repetition down now, and I definitely didn't forget it going into this first game. I'll try to keep that rolling and just – really be the, the most ready I can be. And I feel like having those reps last year really helped me this year going into this first game. Sure, obviously you can't replace a guy like Vaughn, but what's the team's overall confidence, you know, in the depth at linebacker and especially with what Jerry Atashu and Malik Reed showed last year? Yeah, Jerry and Malik are going to be great for us. We're, we're excited for them. I know um, they're going to, you know, answer the bell. They're going to come out there, play their best they can and be ready, you know, as if their life depended on it, because that's pretty much, you know, they got to come out, they got to play, they got a ball, they got to be ready. And I know we're going to have their back as a team, as a defense, as an offense, like I said, as a special teams guy. But in the end, we're all really upset that Vaughn is in the situation that he is. Again, for him, not necessarily sorry for us, but we're going to have to come out there and make plays and, and go get it. To listen to previous versions of the Broncos Blitz podcast, visit milehighsports.com or subscribe to the Broncos Blitz wherever you get your podcast.